Thanks for joining us for today's sermon. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working in your life. If the messages of this church have touched you in some way, please share that with us by clicking on the contact tab at lifesc.org to send us an email. And if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do so online to help us bring messages just like this one to you each week. It is our prayer that God blesses you through this message today. John chapter 10, verse 10, and then Romans 6, 23. If you're in Romans, say amen. All right, let's begin. Um, Let's begin in verse number 22. Nate, if you'd back it up one verse for me. But now being made free. Verse number 22. But now being made free from sin and become servants to God. Who are we servants to? Ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Everyone say everlasting life. That's awesome. Verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. For the wages of sin is death. The earnings from sin is death. Now I'm just going to preach what I felt like I was supposed to bring today. And if it fits you, good. I think it fits all of us. But Roman, or John 10.10, 10, we find these words. It says, the thief cometh not but to steal and to kill, and to kill, (laughs) and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Everyone say abundant life. We cannot live with anything less because of what he purchased for us. I want to preach for a little while about something called game changer. When Jesus showed up on the cross, it was a game changer completely altered what life is for us because he purchased abundant life for us so we can't live anything less. To live anything less would be not living to the full potential of what God gave us. So I want to talk to you a little bit about what it means to be a game changer and the fact that God has changed the game for us. And Jesus, we ask you to move, be be our ostentatious uh, a powerful God, be all things to everyone in this room today in Jesus' name. Everyone say amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. Well, if you take Matt Flynn out and you put in Aaron Rodgers, they call that a game changer, amen? Because of uh, Aaron Rodgers' foot positioning, because of his presence in the pocket, because of his, his eye control, because of his ability to find a defender, because of his control of the football. I brought a football with me today. It's my favorite life spring green football. But because of his ability to because his ability to take hits and stay in the pocket as long as possible in order to get the throw off, and his ability to have one of the strongest arms in the in the NFL with the release of just at one second. Amazing the athleticism of Aaron Rodgers. But even though there are good quarterbacks, there are other great quarterbacks. Aaron Rodgers stands above them, and when they put Aaron Rodgers into the game, when he got injured and broke his collarbone, there was a lot of speculation about whether he'd be at his full potential. And when he came back, we saw some good, some bad, not so good. But then all of a sudden, this year, he said, stop worrying about it. It's going to be okay. When they first started out, they had some bad games. He said, don't worry about it. We will play great. And what happened was, when Aaron Rodgers said, chill. (laughs) That's all he said. Just chill out. 
It's going to be okay. Everyone was like, why would he say that? How does he know? But because he knew his ability as a football player and he knew what was coming and he knew his, his ability to look at the teams that they were going to be playing. And he knew that when he gets into the arena, when he gets onto the field, that he himself has prepared himself so well to play the sport of football that he knows just by putting himself into the game, it's a complete game changer, that his opponent no. Those that are fighting and playing against him know that if Aaron Rodgers is playing, that we have to be careful because he has an arm that throws. He has an ability to run. He has an ability to throw across his body. He can hit a defender from the other corner when he's in the far corner. He knows how to play the game with superiority, and you can never tell exactly what he's going to do because he has prowess on the field. I'm thankful to God that there are people that are not just interested in football, amen, but there are people that are interested in what God does did on Calvary, and that in that we are willing to lay down our life because he laid down his life. And there are people that train themselves. They try their best to be a good Christian, and they train themselves in the word, and they study the word, and they put it into their heart, and they live for God, and they come, and they teach Sunday school classes, and they play musical instruments, and they do everything they can to make sure that if you want to tap me on the shoulder, pastor, and you want to put me in the game, that that move right there will be a game changer because I prepared my heart. I prayed before God. I've been with my Lord. And if you put me in, I'll call down fire from heaven. I've got an anointing on my life because I take seriously what I do every day for the kingdom. And I want you to know that God is not only a game changer, he makes us game changers. So if you don't understand why I'm preaching with every bit of intuitiveness and preaching with every bit of ability I can with those that are here today, with some, with a few empty chairs, I tell you this, the empty chairs don't bother me. What I'm here for is to display to the devil and to the kingdom of the worlds that are at bay and that are causing things to be blocked. I'm here to demonstrate that no matter who shows up, that there is an anointing that is still able to fall in a house of God, that there is still somebody that comes prepared to preach the word to one or 100. There's still going to be somebody that wants to feel the presence of God and lifts their hands and worships God. If they even have to do it by themselves, he's worthy of me being a game changer. So why is it so important that we know that the game has been forever changed at Calvary? Because there's a little three-letter word called sin. Such a small word, isn't it? Such a small word with such a large reputation. Do you know what sin really is? Sin is anything that really takes you away from God. It separates you from God. It's, it represents many things. It's the reason you and I are here. Because our flesh tends towards sin. Our flesh moves towards sin. And we have to be here and hear the word of God. For that would be the purpose you know, of us coming would be to change our behaviors and our lifestyle and, and the way that we approach God and to hear the word of God again and refresh our memory on the scriptures that we may already have memorized, but to hear them recited in public in a, in a forum like this gives us the ability to say, yes, that's what I believe. Yes, that is what keeps me. Yes, that's what holds me. That's what I want to hold on to. I want that. I don't want to give in to 
temptations of the flesh. I want to hold on to the word and I want to hold on to a lifestyle of living what a, what a Christian should be. That is what we're here for. It's, it's for that purpose. We, we, we don't just gather for any other reason other than to have, and to have a move of God. So for some, there may be a desire to come and see what you're wearing. For some, there may be a desire to come with family and just go out to eat afterwards. For others, there's there's all kinds of motives why people come to church. But if there was no preaching here, there would be no purpose. If there was no worship, there would be no purpose. There would be no reason for this church to exist if there wasn't truth being taught. And if we did not know that Jesus changed the game, that his cross split time, and he forever made a difference, then we have a reason to be here. But we know that the Bible says in 1 John 1 and 8, if we say that we have no sin, we have deceived ourselves and the truth is not in us. Yes, sin is present in the world. You'll find it in hatred. You'll find it in lying and stealing and cheating. You'll find sin in, present in adultery and fornication and idolatry and murder, evil thoughts and perverse conversation. It's all there. It's led by sin, that three-letter word. But sinners don't just are not just someone. It's not just something that we do. It takes, it takes over people's lives and it literally alters the way they think and how they respond and makes them selfish to do selfish things and desire only to please themselves. And so then when you follow that through, you end up with people that are lawless and unable to even understand the word of God and how it works and how it protects you. But as you find that sin playing out, it, the Bible says that it ends in death, that it leads to death. For those that have indulged in the filth of flesh know that it, it cannot be satisfied. And it cannot, and no matter how many times they go back to that thing that they think will satisfy them, it is only something that can truly just pacify their flesh because flesh can never be satisfied. And as you continue to walk down that road, you, beca- you continue to have things that are broken in your life. And the more you get into sin and the deeper you get into the things that bind the flesh, the more you find out that it will lead to death. And if the devil can, he would take you out if the devil can he would shorten your life but unfortunately he thinks he can but he can't the bible says in so many places that we are protected but we are only protected if we deal with sin in our life you have to know that this is a calamity of all mankind. We have to deal with it. James 4 and 17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. That's where sin is defined. When you know to do good and you do it not. So how does that fit the people of God sitting here today, the church of the righteous? Well, whenever we have, we're not doing gross sin but and we're not leading ourselves to filthiness of the flesh, but we're actually, we know to do something good, but we don't do it. That's where we need repentance. That's where we need to ask God to help us. If I know that Sister Betty needs something and she calls me, she said, would you help me with this? And I know that I can provide it. Then I should be helping her because I know to do good. And not to do it, I need to repent. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, when we get 300 people and someone needs to move, I may not have time to go move somebody. But then knowing to do good, I know that my best 
position is not moving somebody on a Saturday, but doing ministry where I need to be at as a pastor. I know to do good is to be where I need to be as a pastor and not pushing stuff on the back of a U-Haul truck. You see what I'm saying? But don't take that away from me while we're running small. Don't, don't take that away from me. Let me go and love on somebody and help them move and do what I can do to, to care for them because that is in my heart. And you know what? When we're running 300, that'll still be in my heart as a pastor. That'll still be in your heart when you don't have time to do what you feel like you should do because you need to prepare a Sunday school lesson or you need to prepare a music list or you need to do something that blesses the church on a Sunday because you want to be a game changer when you show up here. You know to do good and that's where that comes into play. When we know to do good, we have to do what God has called us to do in the season he's called us to do it. So right now I, I want you to know that when the Bible talks about that sin bringeth forth death, that you cannot change that no matter what you do. We have to be brought to life by the blood of the Lamb and by the power of the Holy Ghost. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I don't care if you never do anything wrong. Uh, Roly, you could be the greatest guy on the planet Earth. I mean, you could walk grandmas across the street ten times a day. It wouldn't matter because the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God or come short of the glory of God. So we must realize that from the moment that we take in air and we inhale and gasp that, and we start to cry as a baby because we're not warm anymore and our environment has changed and it feels like we're going to get dropped. You're born with two fears. Did you know that? Well, the fear of being dropped, I don't know what the other fear is. Fear of loud noises. That was the one I was trying to get at. It's not in my notes. But from the time you take your first breath of 21% oxygen and 79% nitrogen of our atmosphere, you are a sinner in need of salvation. That is a fact. How, did, how does this strat- tragedy come about? It's very simple. Where did we come into this existence of sin? How did this take place? Where did God, why did God create a world? And so this is what's important to know is that the field was already laid. The the game was already set up. When we were born, we were, we were losers. We were not able to bring ourselves out, but God was able to bring us out with the game changing power of the Holy Ghost. But God created this world. Didn't he foreknow that we would fall. Some people have this big argument about why would God create a world where he knew we would sin and therefore how he would have to come and save us. Why would he even go through that? Why would he want that? Because God's not sitting up in heaven with a remote just giving commands. You know, he doesn't want us to just blindly obey like a robot. Just like, oh, God told me to go here. I better go there. That's not the way God wants his relationships with us. He wants us to choose him. So God created a world that did not have sin. And it began when a man and a woman God created chose, they were created to do good, but they didn't do good. God placed, you know, the story, a tree in the middle of the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve dwelt. And he told them not to eat of it. But why would God give them the opportunity to sin? Why would he do that? there would be no other way for him to tell if they choose if they would choose him over something else if he did not give them the opportunity the whole relationship was built on trust and any time a tr- a relationship breaks down the first thing that goes is trust that's why you can't lie to somebody 
Because the second you lie to somebody and they find out about it, trust is broken. And you can spend a lifetime building trust and you can destroy it in 30 seconds. I was just talking to the team here today because something came up and I tell, I, I talk to pastors, friends of mine who are like, well, don't tell anything until you've set up this plan. You know what? I want you guys to trust me. So sometimes I tell you things that may seem a little bit, now this is not my sermon, but I tell you things that are just on the front end of things that are happening. And I don't want you to be discouraged if they don't come to pass, but I want you to pray about them coming to pass if God wants them to come to pass. So my desire to have trust between us is so much more valuable than for me to have set up some divine plan that I, that I can roll out and give you step by step what we're going to do. I'd rather say, this is what it's looking like. How about we pray together and we go there together? Let's do this together. Because God made us game changers, all of us. And you may see something that I don't see. If I'm working in a blind spot, I'd like you to slap me. I'd like you to let me know if I'm functioning within a blind spot driven by emotion or want or or something that I think I need because and, and I don't see something coming you're like there's a freight train right there you need to walk up and tell me I want you to see that in your prayer time and say pastor I feel like I'm hearing this how does that set with what you're hearing and I'll go before the Lord on my face and if I'm hearing the same thing guess what we just put together a game plan and that game plan cannot be defeated because the coach is Jesus Christ. Amen? He's already changed the game completely. And if we'll get the word from God, I'm preaching an old message, if we'll get an eternal word from God, he'll change everything for us. So let me get back to my notes. God didn't create this world because he didn't want us to just people be people that carried out his orders. He didn't want us to be just puppets. If you want to choose to sin, and go down that road, he'll let you. He'll let Miley Cyrus be Miley Cyrus. He'll let Lady Gaga be Lady Gaga. If we were to sin and God was to just snuff us out right there, there'd be a lot of people in this world that are promoting things that are destructive to the family values that are written in this book, that are promoting things that are destructive and promiscuous and is tearing down the understanding of young men of what a woman should be. It's remolding and reshaping their brain to see what the world says is what they should go after. And instead of finding something wholesome, they take whatever they think the world says they should have for a girlfriend or the world says they should have for a relationship. And really what happens is they're chasing emotion and lust and desire. And they've never built a relationship with the person they say that they think they like. I'm all for, I'm all for having friends. But you need to understand that whenever you court somebody, it is you learning who they are and what they are before you let your emotions push you into a physical situation. And if you don't know who somebody is and what they're all about, you will destroy your opportunities. It violates and it disrespects them and it disrespects you, whether you realize it or not, whether you understand it or not, down the road you will see different areas where you didn't understand, that is an area that we need to be careful in. Unless you court them and learn who they are first. If you learn that they're sensitive areas, you will learn how to respect and walk around that area when it happens to you in the further, on, further on in your relationship. You will learn how to be respectful and 
sometimes people don't realize, but there could just be a hot spot that they didn't even talk through. They didn't understand, but they ran to an altar and got married, and they're happy, and they love each other, and they, and they go on a honeymoon, and, and two years later, they run into a hot spot that they didn't understand, and it's a game changer for their relationship. Totally alters what they were and what they thought their mate was. I have a pastor friend that I know about. He's not a close friend. He's someone that I know about. And he lived all of his life being a phenomenal pastor. I mean, he was the guy that got it done. He was dedicated. When he got in the pulpit, people were like, they were just rapt attention because he could preach. I mean, he could break his bat every sermon. He was just, you know, changing the game left and right. And his wife wrote a book, and she exposed the story of her being raped in college. And it rocked his world because he married the trophy. He got the beautiful blonde cheerleader out of high school. Now, they weren't in our kind of church. But now, a year after that, he stepped out of ministry of one of the largest churches in North America. And I think it's a ripple effect of him not having everything perfect. He said, I never had a problem with temptation, never went to a bad site. I never did anything like that. He goes, but my problem was pride. He goes, I got everything right. I put all my money in the right place. I drove the nicest stuff, lived in the nicest houses, wore the nicest clothes because I did everything right all my life. And then to have my wife tell me something that I didn't even know when we got married, lived with her for years and she had taken on damage he didn't even know was there. And it rocked him because now his perfect little world had imperfection in it. And it was in the form of something he loved dearly. Game changer. And I want you to know that if you're not careful, we can run into some things. This wasn't even in my sermon. I got way off here. But I guess it's on my heart. So I would tell you this, be careful, be cautious, study the person that you're with, study how you're responding to what you are drawn to, how did you get to that desire, what caused that in you, is it a fleshly desire, is it just a carnal thing, or is it something that God is leading you to, because if it is a fleshly thing, it will lead to sin. And sin leads to death. Is that okay? Because you don't want to be writing that paycheck because the payment for sin is death. Life here and now is a product of the choices that someone made a long time ago. Eden is long gone and sin sin and death now present. But I'm glad to tell you that it's not where the story ends. Isn't that great? It's not where we end up. Sometimes you just have to stand up and say, this is not how it's going to end for me. Sometimes you have to literally stare yourself in the face and say, this is changing. I'm getting out. If I have to run out, I'm getting out. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you're going to be an overcomer, sometimes you have to literally run from some things and run to Jesus. You have to take every bit of energy you have and run to the cross of Christ and say, I want this out of my life and I want it out now. 
And when you get that desperate, there's nothing God won't do for you. I've personally experienced, because he came and died, he paid our debt. Being without sin, he died with our sin upon him, so we did not have to die in our sins. You don't have to stay where you are. You're not stuck. You are simply in need of running to the cross because he changed everything when he died. It was a game changer because the debt of sin required the shedding of blood. Hebrews 9 and 22 says, and almost all things are by the law purged with blood and without the shedding of blood is no remission of sin. So, Jesus Christ shed his own blood for you and I. And we come back to our text because it's written in red. I am come, John 10, 10, that they may have life and that they may have life and may have it more abundantly. He doesn't want us just to live. Existence is not possible in Jesus Christ. We must live an abundant life. We're not just going to make it if we're just trying to exist. How many have watched people that are just trying to exist in the church? How long does it take for them to say it's not worth it and give up? Because they're just trying to exist. You only can make it so long in that mode. It's a fight or flight mode. And for me, I'm not running as good lately, so all I have left is fight. (laughs) So I don't want to live in that mode very long. If it comes up, I'll do it, but I don't want to. I want to be in a place where I'm living in abundance with him. Even if it doesn't look like it, I can be in abundance with him. Even if my bank account is in a negative place right now, I can be in abundance with him. My bank account isn't, but I'm just saying. You know what I'm saying, right? You understand. I'm I'm saying when it's the worst, I can have abundance in here. When and it's sometimes it's so easy for us to make choices that draw us to the worst. I mean, we can we can do something or or we can think that we're supposed to be going here or doing that or buying something, and it ends up putting us in a position where where we have lack. And then all of a sudden we're like we go to prayer about it, and God said, "You know what? I could have provided for you if you would have just waited on me. I would have given you the good stuff you thought you had lost if you would have just waited on me." And guess what? God brings a blessing to us, and the abundance of our heart is often where we live our life in abundance. Amen? God wants somebody in this house to know that today. I believe that is of God. We have life more abundant extended to us because of his blood and that is shed for our sins. And so that is why John said, but if you walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. We have fellowship with God if we walk in the light. And the blood of Jesus Christ His son cleanseth us from all sin. Are you glad he can cleanse you? It's like getting in the shower with some lever 2000. It's like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Mark knows what I'm talking about. Getting all cleaned up. Everything starts smelling good. You're like, yeah, that's great. All right. And then you come out and you start scratching because it's wintertime. Got to put all the lotion on. I was kidding. Chapter 2 tells us this. My little children, these things... I write unto you that ye sin not. And if any man sin, it's okay. Because we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, amen, somebody. And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Hello, game changer, right there. He changed the whole situation with his death and by shedding his blood. So I rise to tell somebody this morning that you don't have to die in your sins. You don't have to live with lack. The life 
is in the blood, and it is the best life you could ever live. It is the best life you could ever put yourself. To give up anything is better than to live without the blood in your life and without the cross in your life. The life is in the blood. So whenever we look at Jesus' cross and we look and understand the wages of sin and death, then we go back to Romans 6, 26, and it doesn't end there because it says, if you go on, it says, but the gift of God is eternal life. Anyone like a Christmas present from Almighty God? The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Through who? Through Jesus Christ. It is his blood that purchased life and that more abundant. So I know that though things don't always look the best, I'm living the best life in him. I am. Are you? Don't you know that the greatest thing is complete surrender to him? I want everyone in this place to live the fullest Christian life you can live. And the only way to do that is to realize that life is in the blood of Jesus Christ. What he shed for us so many years ago. Now, some people don't like blood. They don't like to talk about blood. They see blood, they faint. (laughs) Fall out. Anybody queasy around blood? Anybody here? Oh, good. I deal with blood all the time. It was kind of weird because we bumped into that jam and that cross went into my face and I'm like, looking at my blood, and I forget that you have blood. You know, you just forget. You got your own blood. I deal with everybody else's, you know, Nate does this all the time because he's, yes, I'm using names. I'm going to keep using names until God strikes me dead because I like it. It's just the way I am. Sorry, Karen. Love you. So (laughs) blood is amazing. Did you know it circulates through the heart and arteries and veins and capillaries of your body? It carries nourishment, electrolytes, hormones, antibodies, heat, and oxygen. Do you know that blood carries heat and oxygen? Did you know that? If you're cold, you need more blood. (laughs) Come to the cross, to the blood. No, just kidding. (laughs) Through the body, it carries any waste and carbon dioxide out of your system. It, it, It is what keeps you alive. You can't just not have blood doesn't work it's it's the it's the life it, the bible says in leviticus life is in the blood if they had known that a long time ago and read the bible they would probably there'd probably be some people that were alive because of the way that they did medical practices back in the day but because life is in the blood we have to have blood you can lose things nowadays and still live you can lose an arm you can lose a leg we even have some amazing prosthetics that allow people to run with no legs and it's amazing what we're doing with technology. But you can use you can use a, use all kinds of prosthetics for your hand. They have like ones that you can now pick up stuff, and you can tell the sensitivity as you pick things up. Isn't that cool? All right. You can lose a kidney. You can lose a lung, like <gasps> lung. You can lose a lung and still live. You can lose your heart and still live. Can you believe that? You can get a new heart flown in on ice. Isn't that amazing? You can get on a list and you can get a heart. And what happens is they put that heart inside of you and they hook it up and then they put all kinds of chemicals in your body that keeps you from having host versus graft so that that heart will begin to function as your original heart if your heart is bad. You can do all of that, but you cannot survive without the blood. There's no life without the blood. But it's if we lose that, 
we lose everything. If we stop preaching about the cross and if we stop preaching about behold the lamb, if we stop singing about the blood of Jesus that was shed for me, if we stop having an intimate relationship where we, when we talk about the cross, it doesn't do anything inside of our hearts. It doesn't prick us. It doesn't bring a tear to our eye that he died a death that was the most gruesome death for us so that he, we would know the value of our particular life lived in this time and on earth that every single person... This is a game changer, brothers and sisters. He purchased the whole world with his death. And he died the most gruesome death so that we would know that it wasn't just him. It wasn't just happenstance that he got there. We had prophecy that put him on the cross. We had abilities to understand that he was there for a reason. David wrote 2,000 years before he ever got to a cross how he was going to die. It was ordained of God so that he could show us our value. We are worth every bit of his blood. All of it spilled for us. He died for you and for me, amen. So I'm preaching the cross today because there's nothing like this. There's nothing, me and this cross have a personal relationship. <laughs> it's a very personal relationship. But this, this we stick in the back of our church. And this we see on a daily basis. It's taken some road wear. It's got some scratches on it. And it's got some blood down here somewhere. <laughs> and the blood's on the cross. Because it hit me in the face the other day. And But even though we, we created this and we put it at the back to say this is what church is all about. It's because he got off the cross. And he was resurrected. And he shed his blood. And they put his body in the ground. But he didn't stay there. He's not a buried leader of a religious organization. He got back up. Mohammed didn't. Buddha didn't. Jesus got back up. And I want to tell you, that's the thing that ticks the enemy off the most. Is that we are able to get back up. Because the devil can never get back up. And when he knocks you down... He puts you in his position. When he knocks you over and you are on the ground and you are dealing with the things that you have to deal with and maybe you're wallowing in some sin or something that's gotten a hold of you, guess what? The devil loves it because you are in the position that he is in, hopeless. But when you realize that Jesus changed the game forever and there's never a moment of hopelessness in us, Betty, because of this right here, there's never a moment of hopelessness that we can get back up again. Rejoice not against me, O my enemies, for when I fall, I shall arise. That is a verse that all of us should memorize because it makes the devil so irritated when he knocks us down and we keep getting back up. You know how you beat some things? Just keep getting back up. You don't have to have it all perfect. You don't have to have all the education. Yeah, you can You can cry and snot and, and love the Lord and, and go back to the same problems because you have no education to get out of those problems and make bad choices. But if you don't know any better, but you have the cross in your life and you just keep getting up and just 
just keep getting up. Sooner or later, experience is going to teach you. That doesn't work. But you still have hope to get out. You have still have the ability to get out. So no one is left lost. Grace can bring anybody out. The cross was the biggest game changer. It was the first touchdown anybody ever did because he went into the ground and he got up. And because of that, we can forever stand back up again. As long as you're breathing, you have hope. Amen? Amen. Amen. Story about, and I'm finishing. I heard a story about a, um, an Indian that found a, an egg of an eaglet. The mom had abandoned somehow the nest. and So the Indian who had chickens took the egg of the eaglet and put it in the chicken coop in the nest and did you know that was the most chicken like eagle that ever <laughs> that ever hatched that thing it act like a chicken because it was around a bunch of chickens this eagle was designed to soar it was designed to bend wind under its wings and yet the only flying it ever did was a menagerie of feathers and flopping around for a few seconds because that's all it saw. That's all it was around. That's all it knew. And it would peck at the ground with a beak that was strong enough to tear fish and to take prey in its claws. It would just push dirt around and peck at the ground just like all the other chickens. And this eagle literally learned how to cluck. <laughs> literally. But, but like an eagle would do. I don't know how an eagle would do. Something like that, maybe. An eagle with so much potential, known as the king of birds, can soar miles above the earth, can see with amazing eyesight. Can you imagine having all of that potential and all you do is stare at the ground? All you do is push dirt around looking for lost seed because all you knew was being a chicken. And one of the, a visitor came over and visited the, the Indian that had the chick, chicken coop and saw the eagle and said, do you think he's ever going to fly? And they looked up and they saw an eagle flying around and the enemy said, no, he'll never be what he really should be because of the people, because of the things he's around. Help me preach right there. And because he never looks to the sky. He learned to look at the ground by all those around him. The Bible says, look to the hills from which cometh your help. Our help cometh from the Lord. And there are so many people that have so much potential in them. But all they've been taught is to look at the earth. All they've been taught is to look at the things around them. They've never lifted their eyes and looked to the Lord. And we might pray for them and we might spend time caring for them. But somewhere, somehow, we need to get them into an experience where they're not just around chickens anymore where they know they can soar, they can step out. There's hope in their situation. Amen? Amen. Would you stand with me today?
God, help us today as we finish this service that we would recognize that there are people walking around living so far below their God-given potential. You put things in each one of us that we're not done with yet. You put powers and you put talents and you put opportunity in each one of us that if we would be ready for it, if we would take advantage of it, God, there would be a great harvest brought to your kingdom through some of us in this room. Jesus, the field is white unto harvest, you said. Pray to the Lord of the laborers that he would send laborers into his field. It's not about the world. It's about us. We must be willing to lay down our life for what you did for us, Jesus. It is the best life we could ever have, Lord God, that we could sacrifice our life and give it to you, Jesus, not just a cause, but that you would give us the life that you shed for us, that you'd give us life more abundant in this place right now as there's someone someone looking around at their situation. Maybe they've been looking down. Maybe they've been influenced by others to dig in the dirt and not find what they're looking for. But God, if there is someone with even a moment's dissatisfaction in their soul, maybe you would help some of us to look up one more time. Maybe you would help some of us, Lord God, to take what we have seen and push it aside and say, that is not what I am. I'm not going to live with all the chickens. I'm not just going to live scrounging around for this and that. I'm not going to live in survival mode, waiting for my next meal to come from somebody else. But I want to get into the Word of God and get my own spiritual food. I want to spend some time with you, Jesus. I want you to change my life into a way, into the style of life that brings you glory so that others would look at it and say they're living abundantly in Christ Jesus, but so that I would know in my heart that I'm living abundantly on the inside. I cannot be satisfied with the applause of others. I can only be satisfied with your applause, Jesus. I want what you want for me. And if it is something that I cannot see yet, I will lift my eyes to you in faith, for my help comes from the Lord. He's going to bring me out. In Jesus' name, touch somebody here to realize that their life could change others' lives, to realize why they're here right now, is to prepare themselves for the moment when you tap them on the shoulder and say, it's your time to soar. Have you strengthened your wings? Have you made yourself strong? Have you you decided that you want to not dig in the dirt anymore? Have you decided that you're going to prepare yourself for what's next in God before it gets here? Have we chosen to be chickens? Or have we chosen to be eagles in our spiritual life? Jesus, help us today. And so I pray over my brothers and sisters. I've done everything I know to do today, God, to encourage somebody. And in this place today, there is great hope. There is great hope. I thank you for that hope, Jesus. I thank you for loving us enough to let us be a part of the revival you want in Brookfield. I thank you for loving us enough to be a part of what you're doing in this community and in this hotel today. Thank you for every note played, every note sung every person who's given their self and time and energy 
to build and to help set up and to bring to pass an opportunity for someone to be touched and transformed. And we give it all back to you right now, that you would give us the life you have for us. And everyone said in Jesus' name.